The show you're listening to is a proud member of the Daily Hawaii Podcast Network. Are you a Hawaii-based podcaster? Visit dailyhawaii.info slash network to join the Ohana. Have you ever been so good at something another person offered you things for free to pursue your passion? That's what brought Dave Newman to Hawaii for the very first time. His skills as a bodyboarder earned him a free trip to the islands long before he returned here for work. Story behind me coming to Hawaii um, when I was much younger on the mainland, living in California, I got sponsored bodyboarding. Um, I wasn't very good, but they sent me to Hawaii for a season to do some some riding, some pictures, a couple contests. Yep. Uh, fell in love with Hawaii and was always trying to figure out how to come back. I remember you telling me that story. And then um, you did get, and that's the beautiful thing, you did get to come back. Yeah, so many years later I was working for Nobu yes. when it was in Ma- I was in Malibu. And my, my father had just passed and I told the company, I was like, hey look, whatever opens first, San Diego or Hawaii, I would like to transfer. Hawaii opened first. That's um, where you ended up. I came out here to open the Nobu in Waikiki. See, I I can distinctly remember some of the first times I came across you at Nobu because, again, everybody knows Dave. Even back then, it was like, do you know Dave Newman? Wow. Cheers. That's what happens when you do it live, Dave. You get you get Love free it. drinks. Thank you to Black Shamrock Tavern. We just—I was going to talk more about where we're at later in the podcast, but you could tell there's action at Black Shamrock Tavern. That's a pretty good segue when somebody rings the bell. There you go. So again, you're you're at Nobu, and that was the thing. Like even back then at Nobu, it was like, do you know who that guy Dave Newman is? Have you heard about this guy? Like, what was it like when you got to Nobu and you started working? Were you a like? Did it feel like you were a star when you showed up? Because no, knew not who you at were. all. So they had actually told me I was going to run the bar. They t- then they also told another kid from New York he was going to run the bar. And I actually got hit by a car. In Hawaii? In Hawaii. I was riding my skateboard down the street by Longs on King Street. Um, and that, that pretty much made the decision who was going to run the bar. And that gentleman felt a little threatened because I knew a little bit more about the, the bar industry. Yep. So my shifts were Monday day, Wednesday day, and Tuesday night. I was making less than $120 a week trying to make it in Hawaii. I was going to ask, what was your living situation like when you first moved here? Did you do it all on your own blind? Did you have friends or family that were waiting for you when you got out here? What did, how did you hit the ground? Really no friends, no family here. Moved out on my own, made a lot of friends at the restaurant. Um, but I was living in, um, in Waikiki, the Monarch Tower. Kind of weird. Every place that I've lived in in Waikiki had a bar below it. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so, What's down at? What is that? What's the one down downstairs? Downstairs is King King's Pub Tavern. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the building. Okay. Now, yeah, cream pots in that building. Um, and then I moved over to Ilikai Marina. I had a Harbor Pub, which is a, which is a gem. Number of places worth drinking over there. So you get in at Nobu. Eventually, you worked your way up, and you became the man essentially. Yeah, so after a year, I took over the bar program. Um, and for me, I love Nobu's food. I think he's a genius in the kitchen. And my goal was to try to create cocktails that I could get people to say, like, I'm not just here for the food. Now, this is about 15, 16 years? 2007, 2008. 2007, 2008. So I remember at that point in time, 
it was still the cocktails. There's a lot of foam in cocktails back then. There, um, it was before Instagram, but there were a lot of Instagrammable drinks on the menu at Nobu before there was anything known as Instagram. Tell me about what you were doing back then drinks-wise, because you were kind of like on the cutting edge for Honolulu at the time. First of all, we were spoiled. Mm. Uh, price point of the drinks on the menu allowed us to use any ingredient we wanted. Sure. I did a really good example of this is I had created a cocktail in Nobu Malibu that featured blood orange. And when that season ended, we were going to take the cocktail off the menu. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, we'll just ship up blood oranges from Chile. And that was like the moment the bells went off of like, oh, okay, we can do basically whatever we wanted. So no ingredient was out of bounds. We could use better products than everybody else was using. We were doing fresh juices. And I just sort of became the guy that championed actually the stirred and boozy cocktails. Everybody was like, what are you doing? Like, why, why are there so many of these cocktails on the menu? Because nobody's ordering, but it slowly picked up. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to Hawaii's Calling. But that's just the first step. Next, we need your help to build our numbers online. Please be sure to subscribe to Hawaii's Calling via your favorite podcasting platform, whether that's Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or another one of those fine platforms that host our show. Once you've done that, please like and share this episode with all your friends. And if you're on social media, please follow Hawaii's Calling on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find links to those accounts at hawaiiscalling.com. We can't do this without you. We truly appreciate your support. The phrase Hawaii's Calling means different things to different people. Is Hawaii calling you home? Is it telling you there are bigger and better things waiting beyond its shores? What can its residents and visitors do to help perpetuate our native culture, customs, and personality? That's the question I asked Dave Newman while we talked story recently here at Black Shamrock Tavern, located just across Nu'uanu Avenue from longtime local watering hole Murphy's Bar and Grill. It means a few different things. I mean, obviously, falling in love with it from a younger age, mm -hmm. I had the calling to come back here and, and give it a shot. And then once I was here, Hawaii's calling to me is it's a lot about family. I had a very, very small family. I had two cousins. Dad was an only child. Mom had a brother and a sister. I had one brother. But I fell in love with this. Every time you go to a barbecue, there's this crazy extended family. And coming from a small family, it was, it was really attractive. And everybody's an auntie or an uncle. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how loving is that? And that every time you pick somebody up at the airport, like I love bringing a lay and a shot of whiskey. Well, let me ask you this, because you and I have had this conversation many times over the years, and we're actually kind of talking about this a little bit earlier before um, recording this. Hawaii is not cut out for everyone. And you can kind of tell, I think you can kind of tell early on, once you move here, I'm born and raised, so I can't speak to it, but I've seen it enough where real quick, people can tell that switch is flipped when it's time to go. You know, I've seen that actual transition in people where it's like they were done with Hawaii and they were waiting to just pack their stuff and GTFO, you know what I mean? You keep saying like you've had positive experiences. People have always been supportive. Early on, was everything positive? Did you ever run into any negativity early on in your oh, definitely. Time and I think, I think from my first experience of coming over and bodyboarding, like, there's some heavy localization, and like, the white kid on the sponge is not the not the cool kid who's gonna get any respect. North Shore is not just a movie. Like, it, no, it, 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 it was pretty real, and like, I had some <laughs> had some heavy experiences. I I got chased out of the water at Bulls okay. twice. 
And you still came back I'm for still more. Still came back. I mean, I lived in Lake Camarillo. Where else was I going to go? <laughs> but uh, you know, I think I think that actually taught me the lesson of of like you know learning to show some respect, paying your dues here. Mm-hmm. You're not going to come out here and take over this market in any field. You got to come out, learn the community, and community here is everything. Relationships. It's a more relationship-driven market than any that I've, other than I've seen. Hawaii will speak to you in many different ways. You know what I mean? And like even you, you like going hiking. You like getting outdoors. Is that something you liked doing when you first moved here? Was going hiking? Was that so? okay? Yeah. So now that you've been here and you've done it like that too, getting up and getting away from all the hustle and bustle in Honolulu and getting up on the side of a mountain, that's gonna provide some relief for you. Right? It gives you perspective. And look. There's a lot of other cities that are really cool that are less expensive. Yep. Hiking and going to the beach are two activities we can do that take advantage of the high cost of living without bringing extra costs up. Do you feel like you're becoming more invested in the community? Because, yeah, it's nice to go and take advantage of the benefits that Hawaii has to offer. But do you feel like your roots are setting down? Because you've been here almost 20 years. Like, you're, if people want to say, oh, Dave's not local, Dave's not, well, yeah, whatever. You're a local boy at this point. Do you intend to stay in Hawaii? I'm going to stay until you guys kick me out. I love it here. Uh, this place is amazing. Um, I'm, I'm not planning on having children at this point. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to come up with the money for Punahou every, every semester. I, yeah, I, I know how that goes. <laughs> so... I think it's an ideal place for me to be, and I invested in the bar restaurant community heavily. Like, I wanted people that were coming from the mainland to be able to reach out to me and be able to give them as unbiased an opinion as I could possibly give of, like, you need to go to these spots. And these mm-hmm. are spots you gotta check out. These are the bartenders you gotta see. Mm-hmm. These are the local products you gotta try while you're here. And, you know, these are the spots that have dope whiskey and dope cocktails. Beer fans, listen up. Oktoberfest Hawaii is coming to the lower parking lot at Aloha Stadium on September 24th and September 25th. You'll be able to enjoy more than 20 different beers plus exclusive brews being developed especially for the event. Oktoberfest Hawaii will also serve as a two-day fundraiser for the University of Hawaii's Nakoa Football Club. Tickets are $65 for general admission and $100 for VIP access, which includes a commemorative pin, drinking cup, t-shirt, and more. Visit oktoberfesthawaii.com for tickets rather win a pair for free visit hawaiiscalling.com now and sign up to win did you know dave newman is homeless fortunately for him he has a loving significant other with whom he can stay but dave's palolo estate is currently uninhabitable and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to go back home anytime soon if ever so i'll start by saying like i listen to all of the, the people that I thought were, were leading me in the right direction and I'm very interested in financial news and watch the market and all that. And I was always told, hey, like if, if you can get your hands on property, it's the best thing you're ever gonna do. And 95% of the time, 99% of the time, I don't know what that exact percentage would be, but that's the case. Uh, unfortunately for me in Palolo, you that one percent. I'm, I'm a one percenter. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, uh, way back, way before I, I made my move to Hawaii, um, 
some of the good old boys gave their their friends city contracts to develop Palolo. Mm-hmm. And there was a rock quarry back there okay. back in the day. Like, they gave, like Kapa'a Quarry, like UH over by UH Manoa, where they go into the side of the mountain and cut the rock out. Same style. There was that in Palolo Valley. Yeah. Wow. And so the contractors who were awarded this happened to be the owners of that quarry. So they took all the slurry slough, small rocks, and graded all of Palolo. All up against the hillsides, they used that. And that's how the subdivision was created. Was, was created. Well... Unfortunately, this material that they use is is not meant for that. It's porous. Rock. Super porous. Water runs through it. You, not soil, stable. any soil you put on top of it is going to erode and go through it. And that's what your entire home is built on, on the side of a mountain. Not just my home, the entire neighborhoods in that area. And it's pockets where they did that and where the runoff's coming off the mountains. So unfortunately, the, the road that goes up to my house, when yep. I first moved in there, the city was maintaining it. They'd come by every six, eight months and fill some potholes. And uh, we got a letter in the mail, like they're saying, like, oh, that's actually a private road. We're not going to maintain it. Because wow. they saw the writing on the wall. Yep. So that entire road is completely collapsed. So I physically cannot make it to my home. So your home is up there on the side of the mountain in Palolo, and you couldn't even go there if you wanted to right now. No, we built a ramp so we can try to get up. Oh, not like a rope? <laughs> the, the road Jeez. dropped 14 feet within a five-foot distance span. So even if you had a tank, you couldn't get up there. So it's physically impossible to get anything over that crevice. Like to... if your refrigerator breaks while yeah. you're up there, you're never getting another one. Like if your washer and dryer, nobody's bringing that... There's no way you're getting it up there unless you get a helicopter. Have you been able to find any relief? Like, has anybody been able to help you with what's going on at your house? No relief. You know, keep going to the, the board meeting, city council. We've run it up as far as it'll go. And unfortunately, at this point, the city's answer is that once your home actually becomes condemned, they're still stretching it out through court. So you end up in this situation where you can't live in your home. And you're paying rent on another yeah. place, plus you're paying your mortgage, unless you want to get your home taken over, the land taken over by the bank. What would ha- Have you given that any thought? What would happen if you stopped paying the mortgage and they foreclosed on you? Would, would that hurt you? You would still owe them money, right? I mean, I don't want to jeopardize my partners and my business by bankrupting myself, which seems silly. I'm in no position to be claiming bankruptcy. But that would but be I'm what would happen. But I'm also like, I am four hundred thousand dollars in equity into a home that I can never live in again. Which is yet another reason why people need to start drinking at Pint and Jigger, please, when it reopens. Please, and if you ever see me crying, you know why. You know, it, it's like I said, it's an unfortunate thing that people in our neighborhood are really facing this, yep. and I feel incredibly blessed and fortunate that. I have a place to stay. I have an amazing girlfriend that, that allowing me to stay at her place. But it seems rather ridiculous to be paying a mortgage for a space that I can't live in, or we can't live in. I just I feel like if the same problem happened in Manoa, mm. it would be solved. Two more months. 
That's what Dave Newman has been telling his friends, family, and complete strangers who have been asking about the grand reopening of his businesses, Pint and Jigger Honolulu and Harry's Hardware Emporium. The good news? We're almost there, despite recent media coverage mistakenly stating he's already open. To this day, whenever I walk around Honolulu wearing my Pint and Jigger t-shirt, I'm always stopped by somebody who either wants to tell me how much they miss the food and people behind the bar there, or they want to know if I know that the bar is coming back. It is. It's crazy. It's so humbling. You know, people people apologize when they ask me about when we're going to open or what's going on. And honestly, like if nobody asked, like I would be bummed. Like we we tried to build a bar for the industry, for the bar restaurant industry, for a place that you could go and you felt like you escaped Hawaii for a few hours. And we tried to make it as affordable as possible. Like we were trying to do really advanced cocktails in an affordable way. Pint closed when? We closed a little bit early due to COVID. Yep. The police credit union had bought that space. We closed in the middle of them. When everything got shut down, we shut down. We didn't get to do our thank you to our amazing regulars yeah. party. We didn't get to have that last week of yeah. like last hurrahs and kisses and hugs and and all of those things. But looking back on it, we, we got pretty lucky that we didn't have to make this fight through COVID of like, how do we keep the lights on? If you had been forced, not forced, but if you had continued to try and keep the business open, like nothing was going to happen for a few more months, could COVID have maybe driven you out of business and bankrupted you that way by trying to make it through the beginning stages of the COVID-19 pandemic? I don't know if it would have bankrupted us, but it would have been super challenging. Like it may, maybe, it maybe it would have bankrupted us. That location actually had a, a really good setup for doing something to go. Yep. That front parking lot was almost like a U-turn back onto, back onto King Street, which I don't think a lot of people thought about, but we could have put a smoker out there, done barbecue, right. served some of our food. But that being said, like the challenges I saw all the homies, other bars, restaurants facing just to just to make it through. Nope. And we lost some gems. Nope. I mean, we lost internationally recognized restaurants like Alan Wong's. We lost local gems. I don't want to start naming names because I'm going to leave everybody out. So you're sitting here going through COVID. You know, you've been blessed to have your Angels Envy gig. Um, you're a brand representative, meaning you get to go and represent Angels Envy whiskey all over the state of Hawaii. Any other brands that you're uh, helping out with these days? No. I mean, I have local brands that I have the love, love and affection Absolutely. for. But I completely shifted my focus with Angels Envy during COVID of yep. like going from like, how do I promote the brand to how do I help? the businesses and bars, restaurants that we know and love, and we want to see remain here. Even during COVID, my girlfriend Alicia and I, we completely shift our focus. The conversation used to be, do you want to have Italian? Do you want to have sushi? Do you want to have a burger? To where do you want to go to support to make sure that they're still open when the, everything goes back to normal? I remember you partnering with the um, USBG Hawaii, United States Bartenders Guild Hawaii chapter of which I'm a member of which you're a member of which you're a past president if I'm not mistaken but one of the the things I distinctly remember during COVID was you stepping up and getting out there to help feed the industry folks like there was more than one opportunity to get out there and and get and work the line and provide and provide that that relief 
for people that didn't know necessarily know where their next couple of meals were going to come from back then. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. For me, that that stuff's easy. Like I've been so blessed by this industry. I get to do what I love yep. behind the bar all the time. Like the people that have supported us, like it's such a blessing to be able to get out and actually get a meal for these people. Are you rusty? Have you been working? Like, can you still make me an old fashioned, Dave? What's going on? I can still make the drinks. Um, definitely gonna have to shake the rust off that first week as far as the physicality of the job. I don't think people think about it, but like as an owner, yep. I'm gonna work a 14 hour day. Yep. And maybe an hour and a half of that's gonna be sitting down, 12 and a half hours on your feet. Like that first week is gonna be some icy hot. And that's a COVID thing too, because a lot of COVID bartenders, the ones that have been able to hang on to a job throughout the pandemic, because there's a lot of bartenders who aren't bartenders anymore, number one. Number two, the ones that are working, are not working until two o'clock in the morning. They're working until 10 o'clock at night and going home and they're asleep by midnight. That's unheard of pre-2019. We want to remain an industry-driven bar. So when you get off your shift at 10 p.m. at the bar that you work that has these new hours, I want you to be able to come to Pine Jigger, come get a killer meal, a couple cocktails, and not have spent everything that you made working your shift. That was the mission at the first location and that will continue to be the mission when you reopen at the ala moana hotel very very soon two weeks from now right super soon <laughs> we are unfortunately jammed up with some permitting issues from the department of permits and planning mm -hmm. um, we're working through those we are trying as hard as we can to get those doors open the hotel has been incredibly accommodating. It looks amazing. You were telling me like six months ago that you were ready to rock. Like you, you could have been open for business three, four months ago easy at this yes, point. Yes, definitely. We are ready to go. Uh, we've been working the recipes just on the kitchen side. Chef's been killing it. We're making small tweaks to, to make sure that when people come in, not only are they connected to the way the space looks and feels, nope. but they're also getting the same burger that they love. The same scotch egg, the same double cut bacon. Is the point supposed to be when you walk into the new pint, the new pint is the old pint, it's like you never left? Or is it going to be Pine and Jigger 2.0? It's Pine and Jigger 2.0. We want you to feel connected to the space, and we've done as much as we think we can to make that connection. But when you walk through those doors, you're going to know you're not in the old Pine and Jigger. Okay. So those who have been there, it's not their first rodeo, they're going to walk in, and, and still those people are going to be like, yeah, we're super excited. This space looks amazing. Unfortunately, Harry's, our little secret that was speakeasy. My next, that was going to be my next question. It's a little bit smaller seat-wise. But it still exists. It still there exists. will be a Harry's Hardware Emporium. Absolutely. I remember when you opened, I came down and we took some pictures and we played around and we hung out. And there was all the tools. There was all the display cases. Is it still going to be a true speakeasy? If you're not looking for it, are you going to know where Harry's is? Is there going to be a hardware store in the lobby of the Alamoana Hotel? I wish we could get a little hardware store out in the lobby of Alamoana Hotel. We will have a bar tools and selling single barrel whiskeys through a little retail outlet. The entrance to Harry's will definitely be speakeasy style. Will it be um, through... Again, this is this is all nitty gritty now. Is it going to be through the bar? Is it going to be a separate entrance? Is it like you will have to come in the pint and jigger okay. to get to the speakeasy? And that's and all. I don't want to. That's all. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. But you could, if you were just seated in pint and jigger and you looked around, you might not see the entrance. And if you're just walking through the hotel, guaranteed, you're not going to know that it's there. No, no way. Like it, you have to be come inside pint. For people who are worried that. 
scotch egg isn't going to be on the menu. The burger's not going to be on the menu. Is there anything, big changes planned for the kitchen side of things? On actually both kitchen and cocktail side, we are trying to open with as close as possible to our closing menus from Pint and Harry's. And I'll, and I'll, I'll share why, like the reasons behind that. First of all, nostalgia. Yeah. The amount of times people are reaching out to me saying, like, Dave, please, please tell me I'm still going to be able to get the fish and chips. Well, my man, if you only did that for the first three or four, three to six months that you're open, that's why. It's going to get everybody back in and be like, let's take a victory lap. You, you know what I mean? And that's the plan. After six months, we'll kind of do a re-grand opening with all the new stuff that I've been working on. Because I've been in the lab. I've been, like, cooking up some stuff. Creators create. Regardless of the field, regardless of the vibe. And I know you're a creator, so you can't be sitting here going, I'm going to reopen this place and we're going to do the same damn thing. No, that's not what you do. So my, that was my question. How much? How many new drinks are, are are in the pipeline? Are we talking dozens? Are we talking like a good a good seasonal menu? What, what What's the plan for playing? So I got, just on me, I yeah. got around 50. Man, I cannot wait. Yeah, is it, we're excited wait. for that. But... The reason, one of the reasons behind the why we're gonna do this, yeah. it would be embarrassing for me if you came in a pint and jigger in a year from now and you're like, ask one of the, my bartenders, can I get the business? And they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this gives me an opportunity to train the staff, both kitchen and bartenders, on all these nostalgic, classic pint cocktails. Are we gonna see the same faces? We we have four of the old hammers coming back and I'm so blown away Can and we, I'm like it makes me feel amazing that they want to come back to work after two years of, of being away so we got Tanner we got Kule we got Kina and we got Max wow Max is coming back Max coming back he's still going to be over at Howtree and he's killing it over there if you guys haven't been it's dope check it out shout out to Max Cam man Max Cam uh, pimping ain't easy I'll, I'll, I'll toast uh, to Max yes. Well, I'll toast to all four of those people. I'll toast all four of them. You're right. Those are all solid, solid bartenders and bartendresses. Kool-Aid rocks. And the fact that that's going to be the base for what you're launching, the, the 2.0, yeah. you're in good hands. And then the, 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 new, the new generation of Pint 2.0 that's coming on board. Oh, I can't wait to, I can't wait for you guys to come in and check them out. Let's go back to Harry's for a second because you said it's going to be there. It's going to be a little bit smaller. But is the vibe still going to be the same? Is it, it, Are you tweaking that at all, the Harry's style? We did as much as we possibly could to keep that vibe because people loved it. Yeah. Like, that vibe was, was, was a huge part of that space. Um, we reused the bar top. We have the same dope ceilings, very similar to the ceilings we're sitting underneath in the Black Shamrock. I was going to say, we, we do need to come back to Black Shamrock, and that was a good point. I, you mentioned these ceilings here. If you get to come to Black Shamrock in Chinatown, look up. Because if you look up some of the tiles that are there, it reminds me of Harry's. Have you gotten the same aesthetic yeah. in the new in the new space? It's it's awesome. It's it's an upgrade. Yeah. But you, if you walk in that that space, you're like... gonna feel connected to the old the old Harry's. Nice. So really excited. I'm super excited. Not holding you to this, but you know, best case scenario is this still a summer opening? Are we looking at fall? It's literally waiting on the city and county to finish the paper. Waiting on city and county, so permitting through the Department of Permits and Planning. Um, we've had a few inspections; they've all gone really, really well. We're waiting on electrical, um, depending on on how that goes. Um, they might have some things we need to fix or tweak. Um, once we get that cleared, we are a solid six weeks out from that date. I need I need to make sure that if you come and you've had an experience of Pine Jigger in the past, 
that I, the experience you have at this bar exceeds that. We're not trying to just meet what we used to do. Yeah. We're trying to up the game. I think the good thing is people are still going to support. They're going to give you one, two, three, probably five chances. I know I'm going to give you at least three. <laughs> I appreciate that because, like, in Hawaii, you usually get one. You made it. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the very first episode of Hawaii's Calling. My thanks to Dave Newman of Pint and Jigger and Harry's Hardware Emporium for taking the time to sit down and talk story with me. Also, mahalo to JJ and the crew at Black Shamrock Tavern for hosting us. If you enjoy what you heard here, please consider joining the Hawaii's Calling Hui. We have different membership levels with different rewards for supporters of the show, including exclusive bonus interviews and other content. Please visit hawaiiscalling.com to learn more. See you next time. Aloha.